following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Hello, everybody. Eric Bischoff here. And guess what? Guess what? That's right. You were listening to another wrestling podcast. Oh, God. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. This is episode 179. I'm the Mark of Marks, Credo. I haven't been blocked by anybody this week on Twitter. That That's awesome. Oh, I mean, it takes away the fun, but I'm Minority Mike. You're slipping, bitch. And I'm everyone's favorite asshole, the social assassin, angry cooter, bitches. I know I'm slipping. I got. I got to get my numbers up. I got to. Well, I got to. What, what is the grand total, by the way? I, I think I'm. 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 Oh man, I, I want to go with like maybe ten. Ten blocks. I got blocked by a feminist. It's a block party over there. <laughs> well, guys, if you're tuning in, I want to make sure you stick around because we're going to be having on probably one of the greatest guests on the show. Uh, Eric Bischoff is joining us on the show, guys. Uh, Heroes Hideout. Over in uh, Rensselaer, New York, HeroesHideoutNY.com uh, is going to be bringing them in this weekend in Detroit. So stick around for that. And also, we're going to find out what really grinds my gears about some of these championships out there. Because I know uh, Cooter and Mike, we got some uh, we got some talking to do about some of these uh, championships floating around the WWE right now. Uh, and other parts, maybe. But we're going to be talking about that later on. Guys, you know, a, a lot of things happen this week, but... Booker T, Corey Graves, it's still it's still a, a non-running gag, I guess, on TV. What, what is going on? <laughs> oh, you guys want to go to Starbucks? <laughs> you want to go to Starbucks? Is I want to see somebody uh, caramel macchiato with ass. Yeah, B- Booker T is... I don't know if it's this is him being bitter to the fact that he's no longer on the commentating team or he's just really just like or something really happened but apparently because i mean we've always said that booger is just horrible on commentary Let, let's just put it out there on the table he's not the best not good on the okay. fly right no not at all his his facts are not supported by anything he doesn't back up anything and Corey graves is just doing his job and calling him out because if, if nobody on that table calls out booger on booger wow if nobody on that table calls out booker t it just makes the commentary team look stupid. It's going to have us questioning it. So Corey Graves always calls him out on it. And I guess Booker just took it to heart and got pissed. And people backstage was like, hey, we're going to pull you away from there. You're still going to be a part of like the the pre-show panel. But you're not going to be with, with uh, Corey anymore because you can see you're getting a little mad. And what does he do? He goes on his podcast. Or not his podcast. His his. As Corey liked to throw it out there, his locally afternoon radio show. And he just pretty much said that when he sees Corey Graves, he's going to beat his ass like he stole something. <laughs> well, that's a ask- good way to, to get yourself fired from a publicly traded company. Hmm. Not for nothing, though. I mean, I get you got to call him out on the, the bad calls and the bullshit. And yeah, we get it. He's terrible on commentary. But I think... Maybe Corey Graves maybe took it a little bit too far, just in terms of how he said things to him, and 
and intentionally tried to make him look like his, he was stupid. Instead of just like correcting him and maybe moving on, uh, I get it. He's playing a character on TV too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at some point, you got to know like, hey, the three of us have been doing this for a long time. And I know that I get under Credo's skin. Granted, I'm playing a character, but I have to break balls. But I also know when to draw the line. And I think um, I'm wondering with all the stuff that the New Day was doing, ball breaking backstage. I wonder if this is going to affect Corey in any way. Does he have heat with the boys? Because, I mean, Booker is pretty well liked by a lot of guys, or at least it seems that way. So uh, is there going to be heat on Corey Graves? Are they going to break his balls? Is this going to be... Could this have been really bad for Corey as much as it was bad for Booker? Yeah. I think I messaged you guys this weekend when it happened because, I mean, we heard some stuff on Raw, then we heard some stuff on SmackDown, and I'm like, you know, as much as this is happening... There's still people in their headsets. I mean, Vince is backstage. Triple H is backstage. Is anybody egging somebody on? That's what, that's the real conversation that I want to hear. I want to know who's talking to Corey Graves or, or, or whomever. Uh, I mean, unless they're not saying anything and, you know, maybe Corey Graves just picked up a, picked up on it and just, you know, said, said it himself. But I wonder if there's anybody else, you know, saying anything in the I'll ears of this. the talent. I'll say this right now. If it's happening on Monday Night Raw on Vince McMahon's television and Vince McMahon's allowing it. Vince McMahon loves it. Because <laughs> if, it, cause if if Vince didn't want this to happen, it would have been ended before it even started. As, as it goes for heat with the boys, I, I highly doubt there's any heat. I think everybody backstage is, is laughing their asses off about this. I mean, <laughs> just the stuff that Booker said, like... If I see him in a Starbucks, I'm a caramel macchiato his ass. <laughs> he said, if you mess with my green, I become mean or, or something along those lines. Like, I don't know, man. Like, Booker, I, mean, I respect Booker. I really do. But I think he just needs to really just shut his mouth for right now. Well, who, who's who's more pissed off right now? Booker T or David Otunga, because I, I keep going back to the David yes. Otunga will be back in two weeks uh, while he's done doing whatever, but in the meantime, we got Booker T, and that's like six months later, <laughs> and I, I just keep going back to that one moment, because they said, you know, David Otunga yeah. was going to return, and they just never brought him back, and they kept Booker T on there, so. I remember that, and what, what drove me nuts about it was, I hated David Otunga with a passion, and when they brought in Booker to cover for him, I'm like, okay, you know, we've we've heard Booker, and he wasn't bad. I remember saying, like, I, I want to say it was like the first two to three weeks, he was actually pretty decent because he didn't try to overdo it. He knew his role. He wasn't trying to, like, shine. All of a sudden, when Booker starts feeling himself, all of a sudden, he thinks he's God's gift to commentating. And no, my dude, I mean, <laughs> granted, I, again, I, I think a lot of the stuff could have and was maybe taken out of context a little bit. Yeah, he's not a facts guy. Not <laughs> yeah, a facts not, guy. I mean, what would you rather have? Booker T feeling himself or David Otunga feeling himself? Ugh. Either way, we got the coach and you know, <laughs> he's he's in the background. He's not overdoing it. How long until the coach starts feeling himself when we start talking shit about him? Mm. Oh my god. All, all I know is that I, I'm getting a real kick out of this. I really the new day on SmackDown <laughs> when they found out they were ranked number six, and they go six, 
6% chance Corey Graves has a chance of winning a street fight. Or like when they're answering the Twitter questions and they brought up, does Corey have a better jab or a hook? <laughs> hook? I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure everybody backstage is having fun with this, but I guarantee you when Booker walks through the doors and he's backstage doing a pre-show, I don't think anybody's going to be having much fun. I think they're going to try to keep Corey and Booker on opposite ends of the arena for the time being until this calms down a little bit, if Booker can even calm down. That's for sure. Uh, you know, It's been, definitely been a few uh, exciting weeks with this. Who knows when it will end? Maybe we'll have a match at WrestleMania. Uh, really quick, for the first time listening, anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Head on over there, the mothership of AWP. I just want a, a shout-out. Lanny Poffo is coming to the area March 2nd and 3rd. Uh, he's going to be at WrestleFest in Waterbury, Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling on March 2nd. You can see him over there, and if you can't see him over there, come on over to our, our backyard in Poughkeepsie, New York at Darkside Records where he's going to be meeting and greeting all you fans out there. But we're also going to have a special Q&A event hosted by AWP. We're going to talk to him. We're going to ask him some things maybe uh, you probably wanted to know, things you never knew you could ask him. We'll we'll do it on the spot. Uh, It'll be a fun time. And then right after Poughkeepsie, we're going to head on over to Rensselaer, New York, and go over to Heroes Hideout uh, from 5 to 7. So, guys, uh, a weekend coming up to hang out with Lanny Poffo. Why would you not go? Am I right? Get to try on that Hall of Fame ring. I love Lanny. I mean, again, we've said it a million times. The guy is just so smart, so fun. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And just just a pleasure to talk to. And the stories that come out of this guy are absolute gold. So you got to check it out, for real. Definitely. Uh, guys, you know, once again, uh, let's just get right into the week that was, shall we? Two hundred five live and Triple H seem to be the new uh, ticket in town. If you know what I'm saying. Ever since the whole thing happened with Enzo, I believe, uh, according to PW Insider recently, that Vince McMahon is no longer in charge of the of the series. He stepped aside. Triple H is now going to oversee it. Uh, guys, is this good news? This is great news, I think. I, and I think the past two weeks have shown that there's a, I don't know, a new boss in town, if you will, for this. And, uh, you know, from the names that they're bringing on there, for what they're doing, uh, it's almost like we're getting a Cruiserweight Classic 2.0, in a way, on 205 Live. Is this good news for, uh, I don't know, for everybody out there that we have Triple H kind of back in this? You heard this on the interwebs? The internet, you know, the dirt sheets. Uh, The most reliable source of information. (laughs) Am I right, Cologne? That's right. Listen... If, if this is true, that's probably some of the best things I've heard all week. Um, I mean, the, the show so far, I mean, the past two weeks, and I'm, me and Kuda were talking about this earlier, the past two weeks have been great. Like, it's, it's great television, and, and it sucks because a lot of people aren't going to give it a chance because of the reputation it had before. But now that you have Triple H in the driver's seat, this could be like a new rebrand, a refresh button. Uh, this tournament, I'm, I'm enjoying the tournament that they have going on. As you said, the Cruiserweight Classic 2.0. They haven't released the brackets yet, and that's telling me that I don't even think they really have an idea of what they're doing with the brackets. I mean, rumors are that they're trying to get Rey Mysterio into this tournament. That's why they haven't released any brackets yet. I, I, I'm, I love the direction they're going with this. I, I am in full dedication to 205 Live now because I'm just so interested in it, and I'm just... Now knowing that Triple H is backing this up and, and in the driver's seat, it's like 
it's going to be another network show that I look forward to watching. The new faces are, are, are definitely making it watchable. And if they focus more on the wrestling aspect of that product, I think it's going to succeed. I, I really feel, though, as if it has to be filmed in a smaller venue because yeah. I think by the time SmackDown is over and now they have that mixed match challenge right afterwards, which I've also been enjoying, by the way, uh, that being said, the crowd's just dead and, and, and just not – but th- some of these matches have just been fucking amazing. I cannot get enough. So I think if they film this live from from a center stage or a Full Sail University where the crowd's going to be a little bit more behind it like it was for the Cruiserweight Classic, I think it has a better chance to succeed. I also think you need to put Mauro Ronaldo back on the commentary team. Make it more exciting. For tool. Yeah. yeah, because he just knows how to make a shitty match. That, that Every once in a while you get that stinker, but he can make a shitty match. You don't like, like Vic Johnson? <laughs> I can't stand him. And I'm like, Nigel <laughs> McGinnis, I love him working with Morrow, but when he's working with Vic, he's just sitting there like, he looks like he's bored to death. He really <laughs> I does. I, I want to add this. Um, when it comes to 205 Live, I think like you hit it the nail right on the head with all that. Um but I think to, to make the, the brand grow itself, like when you're showcasing these guys on Raw, or if you do decide to showcase them on SmackDown as well, don't have them under this glass ceiling where they're only competing against each other. Like let them like branch out to other guys on the roster. Like if you like if me being a casual fan, just say I would if I was a casual fan and I only watched the WWE product, and you take a guy like Cedric Alexander and you just put him in a showcase match on SmackDown against an AJ Styles and it steals the show. I'm just going to be like, holy shit, I want to see more of this Cedric Alexander guy. Where can I watch him? Easy, 10 o'clock on, on 205 Live. I mean, I, I think they need to do more of that just to kind of mix everything together to put more eyes on that product. No, and, and not only that, make sure that they don't job them out to some of those top guys. No, make them look strong, like Roman. He's, and he's got a pose, damn it. Well, even, even the name, I think, is almost killing him. 205 Live. It doesn't need to be live. And, you know, like you said, I, by the time it goes on, it, it's so much later. And the crowd's like already, they've already sat through two hours of a show. And it's like, if you put them on as the first thing, boom, everybody's more energetic to see it. And maybe you have that crowd reaction a little bit better. But, man, I, 205 Live, it, it should just be, I don't know, Cruiserweight Division? <laughs> I don't know. Bring that up about how they put it on so late. They they in order to keep the fans there, they have to have a dark match after two hundred five live with the AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura, something to keep the fans sitting there waiting. Like they have to do all that. So I do agree with that. Like two, I think two hundred five live. I think it should be taped before SmackDown and then aired after SmackDown. It's that name, man. It's killing it. Like it doesn't need to be live. Like it, they should just tape it at NXT. They, you know, use that same arena. Tape a few matches before NXT, then tape NXT, and then boom. It does not need to be live anymore. Maybe that's a little thing that could help him. But guys, Rip Hideo Itami, I mean, he just came into the division. He's in the first round of the Cruiserweight Championship uh, for the new Cruiserweight Championship to be, you know, at WrestleMania. And he loses to Roderick Strong. Now, don't get me wrong. Roderick Strong is a great wrestler, but you, you just brought him into 205 Live and now he's losing in the first match. And he also tweeted uh, uh, not too long ago, he said it's over. That's it. And then he just tweeted seven hours ago, but not done yet. So, uh, I don't know. That, that was a, that was like a WrestleMania 
Cruiserweight-esque type match. I mean, it was a long match. It was it was definitely worth, uh, you know, a Cruiserweight division title match or whatever. But I don't know. It almost looked to me as that was the last time we're going to see Hideo on 205 Live almost. It was almost like a goodbye match for him on there. Or maybe a goodbye match in general WWE. I mean, he came in, man. He was one of the biggest signed names coming in from Japan. They changed his name. He even debuted it on the screen. His new name. You know, had, he was going to have, like, it seemed like a big push behind him. And then he got injured, and then he was just gone for so long. And even coming down the to the ring on 205 Live this week, I mean, he's skinny, but I, I don't know, man. He definitely does not look as in shape as some of these other guys. Is he is Hideo letting himself go? Is he getting bored with the WWE? Have they just not used him the way they should have used him? Or it's one of those things. I mean, look at Sin Cara, how that all fell apart. Is it just one of those things to where it looked good on paper, but it didn't work in the WWE with him? All right, here's the thing with Hideo Itami. Injury fucked him. And uh, even when he came back from the most recent one, uh, I couldn't agree with you more because I know you don't watch NXT on a regular basis. But when he came back, dude was pudgy as fuck. I mean, uh, he made Kurt Angle look like his Olympic days. It was it was bad. Uh, you know, Cassius Ono was laughing at him. It was that bad. Okay, I mean, the, the dude is, is – I think you're right. He's letting himself go. I don't think he's happy there. But it, when push comes to shove, when he's in the ring, he looks so comfortable. He moves so well, and I do enjoy him in the ring. I just can't get behind him. I don't know why. It's that – He's not, you know, no, there's like no gimmick, you know, it's just coming out. Yeah. Just, he's know, a Deo Hodami and that's it. There's no like. It's funny because uh, I was actually talking to Mike about that earlier. We were talking about Roderick Strong and I feel like I love that he kind of reminds me of like a Benoit kind of guy. The way he throws those chops, the way he'll throw suplexes and shit like that. Love Roddy, but I'm like. You got him chasing two belts. You're giving him a bit of a push. You're seeing how he's going to translate on that main roster. But there's something missing. But he's going to be like, hmm. I think he's going to be okay should he make it to the main roster. I think they're going to throw something his way. I think in this tournament with Roddy Strong winning, I think they needed that type of a bracket buster. Because when we saw last week Roddy Strong versus Hideo Tommy, I automatically thought they're just going to give it to Hideo. Uh-huh. And Roddy's just there to, to bring in viewers. Um, when Roddy won, I, I was actually surprised. I really was, simply because of the fact that I thought Hideo was going to win. I'm just not really connecting to Hideo. I think the only time I really like was interested was when he got that first endorsement from actually Hulk Hogan when they signed him in Japan. And then they changed the name. And then when he teamed with Finn Balor and NXT against the Incension. But I was more interested in that match because that was the debut of the Demon. Um, other than that, like I, I just can't connect to him. And there, we already have one Japanese superstar on the main roster. Hideo is just going to fall through the cracks. And it, it, there's no connection with me. There's no connection with the fans. I, I think he's better off just not re-signing and going back to Japan and then finding his way that way. Yeah. Well, hey, Credo, quick question. I was um, gonna... <laughs> no, why? Why do you not like Hideo Itami? 
I love Hideo Itami. I I think they should have kept his name Kenta. I was just going to say, he's like, well, there's already one Japanese superstar. I was going to say there's a lot of Japanese superstars happening, but that's besides the point. Okay, Uh, okay. Well, here, I I got a question for both of you really quick, guys. We just keep moving right along, but uh, Mark Andrews, Andrews, Tyler Bate, who knows who else is going to show up uh, from the UK division because, guys, I mean, it's almost been, it's kind of almost been pretty much a year, I think, now since uh, the UK tournament happened. It's been a year and they still don't have a show and it's like well, these guys are kind of like we out of sight out of mind so if we bring them into 205 live a little bit kind of you know uh i mean these guys some of them or most of them are pretty much under 205 so why not use them in uh, 205 live so could we see almost like a rebranding to where i'm telling you if you get rid of that name 205 live and call it anything else call it whatever quicksilver i don't care what the hell you call it you know what i mean like just get rid of the live aspect in 205 and you know it's all the cruiserweights you can kind of mix almost some of the uk or most of the uk division with the cruiserweights and then boom you got another third brand that you know some of these guys fighting the same 10 matches or 10 people all the time now you got some kind of fresh faces but i don't know are we going to see maybe this kind of integrated since they can't really get this i, I what it seems this uk show off the ground i thought they were gonna have a uk show right I don't think they had enough talent to make a UK show. And I think, uh, (laughs) well, it's not that they didn't have enough time. There was a lot of good wrestlers. And and, and let's be honest. A lot of them are in NXT. A lot of those guys, some of the bigger names, uh, uh, Pete Dunn has defended that, that title. Tyler Bate defended the title for NXT. Um, it, It was the British invasion. You know, can we see, did they get enough from, their experience in NXT, I'd say so because if you 205 Live is going to be more about the wrestling, who better than some of these British strong style guys, man? I mean, they're so much fun to watch. I, I love good grapplers, man. I really do. You have these guys coming in, they're like Roderick Strong, uh, Tyler Bate, Mark Andrews, whoever. Uh, now there's guys like in the back wings, like Ricochet and whatnot. Are a lot of these guys that aren't really heavyweights going to kind of find their way just to live in 205 Live now? I mean, is that just going to be a home for a lot of these guys who are, you know, not the size of Braun Strowman, but, I mean, they're just going to stick them on this show? And if you're signed by WWE, is this a place you really want to, like, I want to be on 205 Live? Or you you want to be on Raw, right? You want to be on the You want to be on the main roster. Well, you know, now... Now knowing, I mean, if you would have asked me this question about a week or two ago, I would have been terrified of the thought of these guys going to 205 Live. But today, knowing that it's possible Triple H is running the show at 205 Live, I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay. Maybe they should just do where, like, Ricochet is still on NXT, but they're kind of going back and forth between 205 Live to kind of just put more eyes on the product to make it more believable. I mean, that might work. Um, but I'm actually okay with a guy like Ricochet going up to 205 Live, knowing that he's in Triple H's hands. We don't have a, a Vince McMahon or a Kevin Dunn running the show there. It's Triple H's baby mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, I, I think that would work. All right. Well, you know, it's it's still early. It's been only two weeks I'm sure there's a lot more to unfold uh, until whatever happens. But guys, one thing we got to talk about: Elias. Elias. Uh, he's been getting quite the push, and you know it may not seem like it, but 
I mean, the dude who just got a win over Cena on Raw, and Balor didn't. Uh, about a week ago, so uh, there's other little things happening. Me and this guy gets TV time all the time. Uh, even just the, the the damn Royal Rumble stopped for him to uh, like sing a song almost. So uh, the, somebody loves him. Uh, let's talk about this because I mean, basically he's come up from NXT. We saw him in Albany in NXT, and even then it was like, eh, I don't think this this guy's gonna be around here for a while. And boom, they moved him right up, and it was like night and day of who he was in NXT to who he is on the main roster. Guys, let's talk about this Elias, I don't know, not miracle, but, you know, like this kind of like a push for him on what's going on with him. You know, here's the thing with Elias. He's one of these guys that came up from NXT who didn't have this huge push, didn't have this momentum behind him. Uh, he had a lot of heat on him in NXT because it, it was the right kind of heat. It wasn't that you suck heat. It's like we, we just don't like you heat. It was good. And I think once he got to the main roster and they shortened up the name, they got rid of these, the Samson, they took away that stupid drifter bullshit and they just let him be Elias. He, he pardon the expression, walked with it. <laughs> you know, he went with it and he's done an amazing job, almost very Miz like to the point where he can get the crowd to cheer him and then boo him two seconds later and then back to cheering him. You don't see too many people who are capable of doing that. Nah, it's just a handful, and, just a few guys, and that's it. Yeah, and, and he is a very big dude. It's it's very – what's the word I'm looking for? You wouldn't think so, but, I mean, when you see him up next to some of these bigger guys, he's a pretty decent size, and he's a good build. He's in very good shape. This is a Vince guy, and, you know, more importantly, the fact that you didn't have the fans behind you. You didn't have this huge expectation like a Finn Balor or a Nakamura. You know, the the internet marks are like, oh, they're, they're gonna, they should get pushed right to the top because you, you were NXT champion. No, that's, that's why – that's what pisses me off. When you look at a guy like Seth Rollins, who was the champion – didn't get pushed right to the top right away. He had to work his way up with the shield, so on and so forth, and and then get a title. I, the fans want now, 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 now. Let them fucking figure out what they have first, because what worked in NXT for that small crowd isn't necessarily going to work on the main stage, you fucking marks. <laughs> oh, wow. Tell me how you really feel. I just did, bitches. Well, well no, I... Happy Rusev Day Elias. Yeah, happy Rusev Day. Uh, I like Elias. I mean, like, I don't want to, you know, piggyback too much off of what Cooter just said, but I will say this. The guy is entertaining, and he has that Randy Savage look to him. <laughs> he really does. He really does. He just he does. has that savage look, and I think that's one of the reasons why Vince might like him so much. And I've heard that Cena actually is really high on him too i mean I, he's fun to watch at house shows i mean i remember the house show i went to albany he did Freebird, mm-hmm. and he sang Freebird the song by led zeppelin and it was awesome i mean the guy's incredible i i was so happy when he beat cena you don't understand because just the previous week cena beat balor my guy so elias got the redemption for me it would have been better if it was Cena, but I'm going with this. I, I'm walking with Elias, ladies and gentlemen. I am. <laughs> Credo, I, I remember one of the interviews you had with Sammy Callahan 
from a while back, and I remember him name dropping Elias Sampson. That, and you know, and this is right when he had pretty much started in NXT, and and everyone was just shitting on the guy. But Sammy was talking about how great of a worker he is, and watch, you guys are going to be really impressed with him. What maybe a year, year and a half later, he couldn't have been. He couldn't have been more right, man. This guy is just fucking gold, dude. Yeah, it's. It, it's it, I like it because it's organic in a way to where it's not like they were like, here, here's Roman Reigns. He's the superstar of the year, the Slammy Award winner. He's the Royal Rumble winner. It's like they're just kind of letting him do his thing and seeing how the fans are reacting. And like you said, you know, that whole thing where they, they want to cheer, walk with Elias as soon as he says it. The whole stadium erupts saying it. And then they'll say something about the hometown and then they just boo him. And it's like you don't get this a lot where it's cheering, booing, cheering, booing. And it's like... Like I said, only a few guys can do it. You can't really name too many. Um, but it's definitely something different. And uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, this. I think this dude's going to get a, a nice WrestleMania spot out of this. We could probably have Cena versus Elias at WrestleMania. Quote me now. I mean, that could lead to that maybe this year. So we'll see. But one thing, though, guys, we don't have to really get too much into this. But uh, I have no idea what they're doing with this. or I have no idea where they're going with this. But Daniel Bryan revealed SmackDown's top ten. And I believe it's where the wrestlers pick the top ten. Like, you can't vote for this online. We, we're not picking them. It's their SmackDown roster is picking the, the ten spot. And what's, what I find interesting is, yes, you have girls mixed it, women mixed into it, uh, to where you have Charlotte Flair, obviously, at number two because she's the champion, AJ Styles at number one because he's the champion. Uh, but then you have, like, Naomi at four uh, and Becky Lynch at eight and then, you know, other guys in, in between and, of course, Ty Dillinger at ten. Why not? Why is he on that list and Rusev isn't, Kevin Owens isn't, Sami Zayn isn't on this list, but Ty fucking Dillinger is? Why? And uh, what do you get out of this list? Because, I mean, if you're already at number one, does that mean you're going to get a, a championship shot? Well, the champions are at number one and two, so I have, like, they didn't say, like, well, if you're on this top ten list, you're going to get this. or like It's just, what, we're just going to read a list every week of who's top ten? Like, I'm confused of where this is even going. You guys have any predictions? I have no idea what they're going to do with this. This this reminds me of, like, because the UFC likes to, to rank they're top they actually go top 15 and guys that are like not even ranked they always want to go after guys who are in the top 10 and then if they beat a guy in like the top 10 they move up spots they move up rungs that's how they do it in ufc um the champion shouldn't even be number one the champion is just the champion, champion. The number one guy should like for example shinsuke nakamura should be number one because technically he's the number one contender I don't like how it's done by the wrestlers. I think this, and and I don't know how the UFC does it. The fans definitely don't pick that, but I think maybe you should put it in the, in the fans and, and separate the women, please. I mean, they, they want to be independent. Let's let's put them in their own top ten, and then give the guys their own top ten rather than just meshing them all together. Ty Dillinger, this is so freaking predictable. He's going to be number ten. I mean, it's the gimmick. You know, he came out the Rumble second in a row at ten. And then now he's number 10 on the top 10. It, it, it's so damn predictable. And I love Ty Dillinger, but he, I don't There's know no reason he should be on that list. No, I mean, and then Rusev, one of the guys who's like, who's probably one of the most over guys on <laughs> right now. He's not even in the top 10. Uh, and, then, and Owens and Sami Zayn, two guys that are in the main event picture right now, they're not even in the top 10. It's like so, all the champions and then whoever else in there. And yeah, yeah it's. Picking this, like I, I'm I gotta agree. Not the wrestlers. 
you got to take all the champions out. So you got to take the Usos out. You got to take Charlotte and AJ out. You got to take Bobby Roode out. Because that list should be a list of people. If SmackDown is the land of opportunity, that list should be the people who are, you know, vying for some type of opportunity. What opportunity is the champion going to get from being number one on that list? I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, like like you said, I don't, I'd like to see some modifications on that list where it wouldn't and not for nothing sense. and not for nothing. If, if I'm if just say I'm a number 10 ranked guy, knowing that anybody ranked higher than me is going to get me a notch up. Like I'm not going to want to take any other matches other than a guy who's ranked higher than me. Like I want a single digit guy. Like if, if I'm ranked like 15, I want a guy who's like ranked seven or eighth or yeah. something around there so I could beat them so it could just catapult me up in the top five. Like, yeah. it, it, I think they got to like sit down at a table and, and go over this top 10 thing uh-huh. all over again and kind of regroup and, and plan this out better because it was a very lazy and piss poor job. Yeah, it, it is what it is. I mean, we there's really no clear picture or really anything to really talk about it, but I'm just intrigued of like, they made a whole big deal about it to where last week it was like next week, we're going to have this list. Then they have the list. And then it was like, okay, now what? It was anyway, that's what's happened. The, the list of credo is more entertaining than the top 10 list. For oh, that's it. I'm telling you a new segment. We'll have to list credo. That'll be great. <laughs> uh, but guys, you know, uh, thank, thanks for sticking around. Uh, another wrestling podcast.com, but joining us right now is Eric Bischoff. Our next guest needs no real introduction, uh, a man who has done it all, pretty much. And, and I think out of anyone who has ever been on the show, I think this is a guest who I could talk to for probably hours on hours on hours, but we don't have that kind of time today. So uh, please welcome Eric Bischoff to the show. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Steve. Good to be with you. Now, uh, everybody out there listening, I want to let everybody know that on February 10th, a Saturday night, you and Bruce Pritchard uh, are going to be in Detroit uh, with our friends at Heroes Hideout. Uh, you can get your tickets at HeroesHideoutNY.com. But uh, now, I'm only speaking to you for a few minutes today, but what can the fans out there expect from you and Bruce that night? Well, of course, uh, both Bruce and I are going to be a part of Astronomicon in Sterling Heights, just outside of Detroit. Which is kind of cool because I was born and raised in Detroit, but I haven't been back there in many, many, many years. So I'm looking forward to getting back and obviously seeing all the wrestling fans and hanging out with some good friends like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and obviously Bruce Pritchard. Um, But, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, visit with some friends and family that I haven't seen in, I don't know, decades. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll be great. And Detroit, look, Detroit's a great wrestling market. There's a, uh, just a tremendous history with professional wrestling in Detroit. I grew up becoming a fan of professional wrestling, watching big-time wrestling on CKLW 
uh, in Detroit when I was a kid. So for me, it's kind of like, you know, really a homecoming in, in many respects. So it'll be a blast. And, you know, as far as Bruce and I and, and the Dirty Dozen kind of thing we're doing, um, that's separate from the Astronomicon. And it's, uh, I just guarantee it's going to be a good time. You know, when you get Bruce and I together or anybody else that have worked together over the, the years, we, uh, you know, we kind of feed off the energy of the crowd and it, it takes on a life of its own. So it'll be It'll be a little wrestling party for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I encourage everybody, uh, at least head on over to heroeshideoutny.com. You can get tickets for that event. Uh, I wish I was going to be there. I'm, we're coming from New York. That's in Detroit. Uh, but definitely, I know we have a lot of fans over in Detroit that will definitely be hitting up that show that night. Uh, before we came to know you in WCW, you did have a brief appearance in the WWE, and I believe you were asked to cut a promo on a broomstick uh, when you first interviewed with the WWF at that time. Uh, is that true, and can you take us back uh, what happened that moment when you first tried out with them? Yeah, it, it is true, and occasionally some enterprising young social media mogul will find a way to grab that clip of my audition, <laughs> how it made it, you know, out into the uh, to the inter- internet universe. I'll never know, but mm-hmm. it's out there. It's floating around. If you dig hard, you can find it on YouTube. But um, I was I had been working with the AWA. I started uh, with Vern Gagne in the AWA back in the summer of 1987. And I worked for Vern for a couple of years and Vern was, you know, he was really struggling. He was on his last legs financially in the AWA and the handwriting was on the wall. And I knew he wasn't going to be able to keep the doors open too much longer. And about that time, there was an ad in the paper in Minneapolis where I was living at the time. uh, And WWF is what they were called back then. Mm-hmm. was um, they put an ad in the paper. They were looking for uh, and somebody to join the announce team. I responded to, to, the, to the ad. Of course, I had been on television for a little bit by that point. I was doing kind of hosting Vern Gagne's AWA show on ESPN. So I had you know a little bit of on-camera experience, and I guess I had hoped that they kind of knew who I was uh, based on that. And WWE, WWF flew me out and I got to New York the night before. I was nervous as hell. I was broke as hell. I hadn't gotten a paycheck in three, four, five months. I had two young kids at home that were living off hot dogs and beans. And I was heating my home with a little portable propane heater in the middle of the winter in Minnesota. So things were tough. I was getting my cars repossessed out of my driveway and, bank was in foreclosure or was about to foreclose on my house. So I really, really needed that job badly. And I, I was nervous as hell. I mean, I was, I was excited because it was such a huge opportunity. I don't think at that point in my life I'd ever been to New York before. So that was kind of an amazing trip. Mm-hmm. And I got there the night before, couldn't sleep, got up the next morning, got myself as ready as I could possibly be. Cause I didn't know what to expect quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And it sent a limo over to the hotel and picked me up. And God, I just felt like, you know, some kind of a big damn deal and got to the studios, the WWF studios and was introduced to a couple different people. Bruce Pritchard being one of them who was working for WWF at the time. And I was escorted back into the TV studio and I stood there out on the set and I heard Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn over a microphone. They weren't there in front of me, but they were kind of over the intercom you know, directing me in terms of what they wanted to see me do. Mm -hmm. 
And we you know we went through a couple things. I don't remember what they were, but like, hey, you know, welcome everybody to, you know, welcome everybody to the show and tell us what's on the show today. And they gave me a couple matches to to hit. And then you know I did that a couple times and did a couple other things. And then and I don't know if it was Vince or Kevin Dunn. I think it was probably Vince. You know, said uh, somebody hand Eric a broom. <laughs> so one of the stagehands came over and he handed me a push broom. And then Vince over the, the intercom said, okay, I want you to, to sell me that broom. Tell me why I should buy that broom from you. Hmm. And, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I had no experience selling brooms, <laughs> but I thought, what the hell, you know, this is my shot. Mm-hmm. So I went into my sales pitch and did the best I could trying to sell Vince McMahon a broom. And, uh, that was the end of it. You know, they thanked me for coming. I had no idea whether I stole that broom or not and, uh, never heard back. (laughs) That was, that was that. I went back to Minnesota and, uh, struggled for about another year and just was, I, I just refused to get out of the wrestling business because I knew once I got out, even though Vern couldn't afford to pay me and he was on his last legs, I knew, that if I stepped away from it, it being the wrestling business, yeah. there was no chance I would ever get my foot back in the door anywhere. So I, I stuck it out and stuck it out and stuck it out. And then not probably about a year later, uh, w, WCW was looking for talent. And I did the same thing, only that time I got the job. Wow. <laughs> well, did you ever imagine back then that, you know, just a few years later or, you know, not too many years after that, that you'd be going head to head with Vince himself uh, after that whole, whole ordeal? I mean, you probably couldn't have imagined uh, leaving there that day that, you know, the future, that's what the future would hold for you. No, and, you know, what's really funny, not to get too philosophical, you know, here, but, it, you know, now that, you know, I'm 62 years old, you know, and, and, the context of time has changed so dramatically for me as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at now I've got kids that are in their thirties and are successful. And, and to me, you know, I mean, I see my kids, I talk to my kids regularly, obviously, but in my mind, they're still little kids. Yeah. You know, I still look at my little kids. You just time plays funny tricks on your brain. And at least it does me. And to your point, you know, when I launched Nitro in 95, I was only four years removed from trying to sell a broom to Vince McMahon. Mm. Four years is a blink of an eye. Yeah. But at that time, you know, when, when it, in back in 95, when I was in the middle of it all, it seemed like decades mm. since I had tried to audition for WWE. And I know that doesn't make much sense, but when you're in that moment and, and you're, you're in that time frame, you know, four years back then just seemed like a lifetime, yeah. at least half a one. And now I look back and go, wow, just like you just did thinking, wow, that is really strange. <laughs> you know, in 1991, I was selling, trying to sell Vince McMahon a broom and four years later, I'm trying to kick his ass on national television. <laughs> Kind of a kind of a big transition. Oh yeah. Uh, now uh, I think we live in a different world of wrestling today. Uh, we have wrestling pretty much almost every every night of the week, and that's pretty much mostly from the WWE alone. But back in the day when you were booking, you know, three hour nitros before uh, we even had three hour raws. 
What do you think is the hard part about booking such a long show? Uh, back then, maybe compared to today's audience, I mean, it's a, it's definitely, I think, a, a different vehicle, at least. Well, you know, it's not only... And WWE is not only producing a three-hour show, they're producing a three-hour live show 52 weeks a year. And then, on Tuesday night, they're producing a two-hour live show 52 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they've got, you know, ancillary programming, like 205 Live and Next and all that other kind of stuff. Oh, and by the way, on top of that, you know, they're touring 300 events, live events a year that are not televised. So the just the sheer workload of it all you know, kind of overall is, is mind boggling to begin with. But when you talk just about the television show, you know, a three hour format, it's the, there's a lot of things that are hard about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the travel, the logistics, the, the amount of talent that you have to keep on your roster because, you know, you can't just have the same people, you know, wrestling week after week after week, you kind of run out of ways to mix them and match them. So you, you need to have a pretty massive roster. Um, you're telling a lot of stories, you know, to fill a three hour episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you, 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 you know, add to that, the fact that, you know, injuries and personal issues and, you know, other challenges pop up you know, in the middle of all your plans, you know, we saw, you know, what happened with Enzo Amore the other day, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago in New York, you know, things like that happen. People get hurt, you know, you have legal issues pop up, family emergencies, people get sick, you know, so no matter how much you plan ahead, there's always something yeah. that's going to force you to go back to the drawing board and literally rewrite a show, you know, hours before airtime. And that's a hell of a challenge. You know, and, until you've done it, it's just really hard to explain just how big of a challenge that is. Sure. Uh, and I think one, yeah. you know, one of the other things, and on the on the other side of it, that's what makes it hard as a producer. From a consumer point of view, an audience point of view, you know, the challenge as a producer, though, is in today's environment, even more so now than when, much more so now than when I was doing it, it's so much harder to keep the audience's attention because now, you know, a wrestling fan will be watching, you know, Monday night raw and also watching something on their phone Yeah. and going back and forth on the internet and seeing what other people have to say about what it is they're watching, you know, as it's happening live. So it's, it's much harder to keep people's attention and their focus. And on top of that, just to make it even more of a challenge, there's just so much more content out there. Yeah. You know, it's harder. It's and not just for wrestling, for any kind of you know traditional television production network or or production company or television network. It's harder to get people to sit and watch content on television because you know there's so many streaming opportunities. There's there's the internet. You know, there's mobile phones. There's apps. There's video games. There's so many things now that that grab the audience's attention that you've got to really create compelling content to get them to watch your show each and every week. And especially for three hours, Hmm. audience now has a, has an attention span, you know, of about six minutes. So you've got got to produce accordingly. Like I mentioned, you know, wrestling is pretty much just nonstop these days. Uh, But do you still get to keep up with any of it at all? Any of it at all? And uh, if so, is there anyone maybe uh, out there now that impresses you? You know, I don't watch it 
I sort I you know I can't sit down and watch three hours of anything really, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially fifty two weeks a year. So I tend, you know, my lifestyle now is such that I tend to drop in on a regular basis. And when I say drop in, I may watch a half hour here, an hour there. Uh, you know, I, I subscribe to the WWE Network. So if there's anything that's really cool and interesting that I want to catch up on, I can in, in terms of pay-per-views and so forth. Um, but if I hear or read about, because I do stay on top of what's going on in the industry. Mm-hmm. I keep my ear to the ground. So if I hear about something coming up on Monday Night Raw or on SmackDown that, you know, someone that I'm in, familiar with, like a friend or somebody that I've worked with in the past is involved in, I'll certainly check in. Clearly leading up to the big events, I tend to drop in. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I'm the same way with the NFL and the NBA. I don't really start paying close attention until right before, you know, playoffs start. Sure, yeah. <laughs> in playoffs. So in the WWE's case, I start really dropping in right before a big pay-per-view because that's when the stories are kind of hitting their peak arc. Um, but, you know, I stay on top of it. In terms of people that I like, you know, I'm a fan of Roman Reigns. Anybody that's heard me do an interview before knows that. Um, half of the people that hear that, you know, go, wow, that's great. And half the people that hear that go, wow, he's an idiot. But I, I think Roman Reigns is... Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more Roman Reigns. I think we've only just begun to see uh, what Roman is capable of as a character. I don't know Roman. I've never even had a conversation with him. And I could be dead wrong, but there's something in my gut, you know, just my, I guess, my producer's instinct Mm -hmm. that tells me that there's something there that we haven't seen yet. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that emerge. And then hopefully I'm right. Um, I like Dolph Ziggler, man. I've been saying that now for years. Um, Dolph Ziggler to me is a guy, although he's kind of a, a guy that kind of comes in and out of storyline. Sometimes he's more or less high profile. Sometimes he's not, but to me, he, he reminds me of, and I know this is going to sound crazy to some people, but he reminds me of Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. And in, in the sense that, you know, Kurt is obviously in a class into himself as a gold medalist. So there's, it, it's not necessarily that, but Kurt Angle is a character who in one moment can be a comedic character. He can be funny as hell. He's just, he, 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 literally there are times when I think he should be doing his own stand-up routine in Las Vegas. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he can be that, he can be that, you know, really great, believable, fun, comedic character. That's just all entertainment. And that, and then on the, at the flip of a switch, he can become the most credible, badass, frightening, intimidating, real-world character that makes you forget that you're watching, you know, sports entertainment or professional wrestling, and you get sucked into the believability of his character because of who he is. And I really like characters that have that kind of ability and diversity and range. And I think Dolph Ziggler is much the same way. I think Dolph is a guy who can play that, you know, kind of cheesy, high entertainment value, fun, comedic character. But he also has the background and the ability um, at the flip of a switch, in my opinion, to become that really real world, you know, Hmm. gritty, believable, dangerous, intimidating character. And I I appreciate that in the performer. 
Definitely. Uh, now, I, I think a lot of wrestlers seem to be working uh, in New Japan more these days, I think, to make themselves a, a bigger name in the wrestling world. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with him, but, you know, like a guy like Kenny Omega, whose star power has pretty much risen in the past few years, uh, especially after uh, last month's match with uh, Chris Jericho, pretty much putting them, putting each other uh, on the map again. Uh, do you think like a guy like Omega could be a star in the WWE when uh, maybe that time comes? I think he definitely could be. I mean, he's got a, you know, and I think it's a fascinating, you know, evolution of sports entertainment, professional wrestling that owes itself to the digital growth and, and explosion in media. You know, the reason that Kenny Omega is, you know, kind of a household name, I guess, in mm-hmm. the world of professional wrestling here in the United States is simply because of the strength of digital platforms that allow us to see new Japan pro wrestling. I know it's on access TV, but for the most part, I think, you know, Kenny Omega's name was built, you know, because of streaming and the fact that, you know, new Japan pro wrestling was able to get their content, you know, out there and into the hands of wrestling fans in ways that five years ago didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't do it five years ago. And so I think to answer your point, you know, I think, I think Kenny Omega, if he chose to, could definitely be a huge star in WWE. But what's really interesting to me is I don't know if he'll choose to Hmm. because he's got a great, he's making a great living. He's got a great life. There are a lot of things about WWE that are really restrictive and challenging in a schedule being one of them, you know, the commitment you have to make to be a a top star in WWE, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even begin to comprehend what that's like. (laughs) I mean, schedule wise, but, you know, Kenny's got a great opportunity now, and he's got the freedom and flexibility to kind of be his own man. You know, Cody Rhodes is doing much the same thing. Cody Rhodes, you know, took it upon himself to leave WWE. He had a good gig there. He had a great opportunity. He had a gig that everybody that's coming up through, most people coming up through the independent scene would only dream to have. And Cody Rhodes walked away from it and chose to wrestle the independent scene and, and to make his mark over New Japan. And he's making, he's making a great deal of money and having a tremendous amount of success in the process. That opportunity didn't exist four years ago or five years ago. It's just now, really, in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. that a performer could go out and make a, not only make a, a living on the indie scene, but in some cases, guys like Kenny Omega and, and, and Cody Rhodes, and I'm sure others, are able to go out and make a, a significant living on the independent scene. And I think that's an exciting, you know, evolution of our business. One little story that's happening now, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on it. Uh, it kind of uh, started when uh, Dave Meltzer a- uh, was asked if Ring of Honor could sell out a 10,000 uh, seat arena. And he replied with uh, not anytime soon. So uh, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, they're uh, out to throw the show on uh, September 1st called All In, uh, basically looking to be the biggest indie show out there trying to sell these 10,000 seats out. Uh, do you think they can do it outside of basically putting the show on themselves? It's not under Ring of Honor. It's not under you know WWE or, or whatever kind of a banner. Um, it's almost like a bet from Cody Rhodes to Dave Meltzer. Uh, but do you have maybe any advice to them on how to make it a success and to, to sell out that show uh, coming up September 1st? No, I really don't have any advice. I, I believe it's possible. I, you know, I, look, I believe it's, it ain't going to be easy. <laughs> but, nope. again, if 
if, if you look at the strength of Cody Rhodes' name, if you look at the strength of Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, you know, and I'm sure there are going to be others on that card that are going to be the best of the best of the world of independent wrestling. I, you know, I believe it can be done. You know, digital social media um, has changed the game so much. If, if a year ago you would have asked me that, I would have said, ah, no, I agree with Dave Meltzer. Mm. But now, given the opportunity to market, to promote, to reach, to galvanize an audience, um, to brand an event or brand uh, a, a promotion, is so much more accessible now than it was even 18 months ago because of the technology that, that, that has evolved in, in the, in the industry. So I, I, if look, if I was a betting man, I'm not sure I'd bet my house on it, <laughs> but I also wouldn't bet my house against it. Do you ever look back on your career in wrestling and ever wish maybe you could have done something differently? There's always things you would do differently. There's things Vince McMahon would do differently. There's things that everybody would do differently. There's things Bill Gates would do differently. Um, you don't make, not every decision you make is the right one, whether you're successful or not. Um, and sure there are things I would do differently, but I don't, I don't think about it. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, my wife, you know, she, <laughs> she counseled me for years. You know, we've been married now for almost 35 years and she's a very positive person. She's really, she's always been very supportive, but she's a very, very positive person. And she counseled me, you know, for a long time about, you know, don't dwell on the past. Don't worry about the future. Really just think about the moment. Think about where you're at today and how to make today the best day it can be or, the, you know, this afternoon, the best afternoon it can be. And don't dwell on the past or worry about the future because you can't really change either one of them. Um, you can kind of be prepared for the future. You can't just be oblivious to it. But I certainly can't change the past. So spending any amount of time or energy thinking about the past or allowing it to, as you put it, haunt me is totally unproductive. So, no, I don't think about it, man. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I've had an amazing career. I've seen things I never thought I would see. As a kid growing up in East Detroit who, you know, on Saturday mornings watched, you know, big-time wrestling on CKLW to be able to have done the things that I've done and achieved the things that I've achieved, achieved, meet the people that I've met and worked with and travel the world. Are you kidding me, man? I'm just grateful for every minute of it. Well, Good and bad. well Eric, we're, we're thankful for your time tonight and grateful for the years you've given us in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, where can the fans keep up with you these days on social media and whatnot? On Twitter at E Bishop, B I S C H O F F. That's the only place. But I spend a lot of time on it. I post pictures of my dogs and my horses almost every day. So, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Eric, we thank you so much, and we really appreciate your time tonight. All right, man. Good to see you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's my time to give you the matches, the must-see matches, the Angry Cooter mixtape, have you. Um I, I had some trouble this week because there were a lot of good matches this week. So Raw, I, I couldn't decide, so I picked two matches. I love the Bailey versus Asuka match. Not their best match that they've had, but you know, for for a televised television match, pretty solid. 
But uh, the triple threat between Cena, Elias, and Braun, must see. Great fucking match. Uh, SmackDown, listen, who doesn't love a good old-fashioned U.S. title match between Bobby Roode and, yes, Mr. Rusev Day himself. Rusev, fucking uh, great match. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens is always a a fucking must-see match. Again, probably not their best match, but, I mean, we're talking about a, a SmackDown match. Pretty damn entertaining. These two know each other so well. Uh, it's it, it. They just blow my mind every single time they're in the ring. 205 Live. Obviously, me going for Roddy Strong and, and uh, Hideo Itami. Incredible outing. Is this Hideo Itami's last match for WWE? Uh, if it was, it was a pretty damn good one. Uh, yeah, you, you got to watch that one. NXT. My God. If you did not see this six-man tornado uh, tag match between Sanity and the Undisputed Era, my God, just just go watch it right fucking now. Turn the podcast off. Turn me off and watch this match. You'll be way more entertained, I swear. Well, just make sure you turn it back on after. There after. you go. Right. Well, what if well, they turn it off and they don't hear that now? They're not going to turn it back on. There you go. <laughs> I fucked it up. We just, I just lost, lost the viewers. our listeners, goddammit. And those are your uh, musty matches of the week, bitches. Do as I say, not as I do. All right, guys, let's talk about this. We had kind of a little bit back and forth online. We we we're in a, a group on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/pro-wrestling-marks. Join it. Uh, Cooter, we were talking about this the other day. and Yeah, you got a little mad at me. You uh, did. I got internet mad. I was using the caps lock a lot. To, yeah, you know, to oh yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> making sure I could get my point across in words online. But uh, no, I, it, it always, it, it, trust me, it, it blows my mind to where I'm, I'm a championship person. I love championships. Can I, can I say this? Can I just say what started this conversation? Yes, please. Okay, yes. so I posted a picture in this group of oh that's right of adam cole versus pete dunn for the uk title and cool looking picture and fans were just like going crazy because those two in the ring together are just are probably gonna blow away i mean i yes i don't want to give out any spoilers but i heard it was a very very amazing and entertaining match Take it away, Credo. <laughs> <laughs> and in comes Credo to where I was like, well, what is this for? Is it for the UK championship? Because it does not make sense. It's not in the UK, and Adam Cole isn't UK-ish. Or Don't raise I know. your voice, Credo. Don't raise your voice. <laughs> well, hear, hear me out. So this is, this is the whole debate about championships, because you have the WWE championship. You're the champion of the WWE, right? I get it. Now, okay, yeah, they made the universal championship, and everybody made, made a joke about, you know, oh, you're the champion of the universe. I get it. You know, but uh, Raw needed a championship, a main championship, so instead of just calling it another WWE champion, you're the universal champion. I get it. Uh, Intercontinental champion, you're the champion of you know, the continents, right? The, everything in between, in a way. Uh, but you know, that still kind of doesn't make sense to me. I will have to look up the the exact definitions for them. Um, but still, okay, a UK championship, and, and this is almost goes back to the European championship, to where that never really made sense to me. Now, Cooter, hear me out, to where the UK championship, in my opinion, should be defended 
in the UK or at least by people of UK descent. I know that doesn't make really sense, but you know, you know what I mean? Like European, if you're, Hey, you know, if you're from this country, you know, you could fight for it, but having like Adam Cole straight out of Nebraska or wherever he's from going for the UK championship, what does that mean? And especially it's not even being defended in the UK. Now, granted, if it was between, you know, uh, Pete Dunn or somebody else, I would get it. You know, he's, he's a part of the UK division, I guess, or the brand. But going against Adam Cole, if Adam Cole won the UK championship, he's the champion of the UK. Like, that belt right there is starting to, like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, Cooter. And that's what I'm trying to get with to where if you have a UK championship and... You have two UK, two two UK guys fighting for it, in wherever, anywhere in the world. That's fine to me. But if you have one guy from the UK, one guy from the United States fighting for it, eh, it doesn't make sense. So that's where I'm trying to get with this this debate of the championships. To where, why does it? It, it does not make sense to me on mm. how they defend it. Sometimes. Are you done? I'm not. Done. I have a lot more, but I'm done for now. Okay. All right. Listen. You do realize wrestling is a work, right? Kayfabe. You get that. You, you get that. Yeah. You, you understand that aspect of oh, it. Jesus, man. Why'd you have to ruin it for me? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Why does everything have to make sense? Why does the name of a title have to make sense? This is what I don't understand. Okay. The intercontinental title was started from a tournament in Brazil. Right? So by your definition... Maybe because the championship originated in Brazil and was named Intercontinental. Because technically, it was formed on a different continent than the company that owns it. No, because it's, it's called only- the because it's called the Intercontinental. So that makes sense. They can go in intercontinents, you know, in different continents. So that makes sense. That's see, but see, you're overthinking it. That the point I'm trying to make is if that was developed from a tournament in Brazil, why can't we have a title that was created from a a tournament in the UK and that's why it's the UK that the origin of that title is from a tournament from the UK. But what is why that? why why if if that's too much for you to grasp or you think that's stupid, here's here's where I get frustrated with a lot of your points. Because you've been Pissing and moaning about Raw on a regular basis. How Brock Lesnar has the title. It's not on TV. There's no title for anybody to chase. This has pretty much been used as a secondary title, like an intercontinental title, on the NXT brand. And most of those guys from that tournament have been featured and used on the NXT brand. So... Here we do. We do have a secondary title, which is just a title from a tournament that originated in the UK. So we're paying homage to a new title from a tournament with all these great... We don't need it to be defended in the UK. We don't need it to be defended by UK people. Why can't it just be a title that people uh, are in the chase for, like every other title that we have? We had a European title. Did it have to be fucking defended by Europeans in Europe? It's did we have stunk, to have? And that's why they got rid of it because oh, it made no sense. They got rid of it because at that point there was just too many fucking titles. <laughs> it made no sense. Well, here you, well, you, you contradict yourself on a regular basis with this shit. Wait, wait. I, I, 
I understand Credo. I understand your argument. I also understand Kuda's argument. I, I really do. I understand both point of views. Um, but when when you say uh, this just popped in my head when you brought up the Universal title. So should Lesnar defend the title in Mars? <laughs> No, because he's the WWE Raw Champion, and they just don't call him the Raw Champion. So they have the SmackDown and the Raw Champion. That's their main titles. But Maybe but, he actually is defending it across the galaxy because he's never there. That's right. Hulk. He's in Pluto right now defending it. I have to dispense it. my belief with this right all, now. All right. Well, how about this then? How about because – you know, the Intercontinental defended all over the continents, right? The U.S. Championship from a U.S. company, you know, defended overseas too. See, you're, you're rational- overseas. when you rationalize the name of a it's title, it's not a U.K. Okay. title. It's not a U.K. Well, when I try uh, to company. rationalize the name of a title, you get you get all butt hurt. When you, now, if you have the hierarchy, you have the WWE champion who's the number one champion in the company, right? And I, I would put, you know, the Universal on the same level since they had to split the brands. Uh, but then under that, I would have gone to... You know, the Intercontinental Champion. And then under that, the United States Champion. And then under that, you know, maybe then you could do like all the tag titles, whatever. Uh, but now the UK Championship, is that, you know, is that on the same level as the WWE Champion? Or is that no. like on the same level as the Intercontinental Champion? You know what I mean? Like, like, which... I, like I said, I think it's it's basically been used as that secondary title on the NXT brand. Like an Intercontinental title, like the US title. I think just because it's like... Granted, I think the original concept of it was to be used for that show. I get it. And and I can see why people are frustrated with the name of the title. But I think we can just convert it to that secondary title, paying homage to all that people who were in that tournament who were basically in NXT. Well, I, I and have it be that secondary title. I feel like it, it, would, it would make more sense to have only UK people fight for it. You know what I mean? To where, hey, you get rid of Sheamus and Cesaro, they could fight for the UK, UK title. Uh, I'm trying to think of the roster right off the top of my head, but, you know, like, I don't see, like, I don't know, I think well, Adam Cole fighting for much. the UK you're, you're title. You're overthinking it too much. I, I think, so the, t- the title is actually, it has been defended on Progress, which is a UK-based promotion. Yes. They actually allow you know Pete Dunne to go over there and defend the title there just to kind of give it more relevance in the UK. Um, but with that being said, I mean, when you bring it over, it, it should be used as a secondary title on the NXT. I think it should be used more. I honestly, I mean, the UK tournament was great. I don't want the UK fans to take offense to this, but I, I think they just need to revamp that belt. And I think that needs to be NXT's version of their Intercontinental title belt. I think call it like the network title or something mm. or the workhorse title or, or something something along those lines. I'm not necessarily workhorse, but you guys know what I mean. Like their version of the internet, Intercontinental title where that title is like the stepping stone. Because right now, if you look at the NXT roster, there's so many stars on there. What do you do with them? Like, exactly. What, what is the do? Like a guy like Velveteen Dream, like put he could be fighting for a, that secondary title or you know there's so much i think that's what they need to do because like like you brought up before credo like what's going on with this uk show there's there's no uk show um cooter brought up before how there's there's not enough talent to even do the uk show i personally think there's not enough funds for them to constantly be going to the uk to do the uk show so take this uk title make it prestigious in america 
Rebrand it somehow. Well, yeah. we, we talked earlier to where, you know, 205 Live is using a lot of these UK guys. If they get rid of that stupid name 205 Live and they, whatever name, you know, give it whatever name, and you mix the UK with the cruiserweights, now it's in my mind, I'm like, well, now if you have the cruiserweight championship and the UK championship on that show, which one is greater? Or, you know what I mean? Is the, is the cruiserweight below the UK belt? And, you know, that UK belt design is a really great design, but it looks like a main, you know, like the champion belt, right? It I want to like punch the a baby. Belt. I, I want to punch a baby. It looks like the, the women's do. championship belt. So it looks like the top belt, right? You know what I mean? It's the top championship. But if they, I'm just saying, if they brought it onto that show too and they mixed it, they're going to use the same guys. I don't, to me, ha- having it just called the UK championship at the end of the day, should either A, be defended in the UK, or be defended by only UK people. That's- and this is why you work for Fox and not for WWE. Next segment. Well, uh, This popped in my head. <laughs> I don't know. And, and this is off the top. Well, not it's still a title belt, but this is off the topic of like the UK belt. But what, what if they brought back the television title? Okay. They need and it. that need it. title can, will be defended every week on television. Meaning the television title. And you put that title on whoever brands that workhorse. Let's just say a Finn Balor is the television title champion. He defends that title every Monday night. Like that title, it's a mandatory title defense every Monday night. You put it on your workhorse. And then that's a good way, like when an NXT talent comes up, you could just put it on him. Uh, what do you, it just popped in my head. What, what do you guys think about that? I, lo- I think for, in that case, for the main roster, I think it's too much. I, I f- do feel like they need a secondary title for NXT, which is pretty much what what they've been doing with that UK title. I agree with Mike. I think it should be rebranded. And to a certain extent, I agree with Credo. I think the UK name is stupid for that title. But, I mean, I was just trying to think of ways to make it work where we didn't have to change the name, because I actually like that belt, too. That belt is fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, whether it, it doesn't matter if it's for the UK title, Intercontinent title, or even the Divas title, the retired Divas title. <laughs> when, when you have a guy like Adam Cole standing across the ring from a guy like Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne, yes. The fans are going to be into that match no matter what title's on the line because those two guys, the belt isn't what makes those guys. The guys are what makes the match great. And the fact that it was for a title was really cool to me. So, I mean, that's I was like, why why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. Can't we just enjoy the fucking match? And I guarantee you that match was ever for the Divas title. That'd be the best damn Divas title match Absolutely. I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the UK. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, what's funny is, you know, UK, they have such a huge fan base in the UK. It's, it's rightfully so that they need a UK championship. And I, I honestly wish they would have a WrestleMania over in the UK. They definitely deserve that, too. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you line all the championships in a row, you know, and you say, who's the who's the number one champion of this company? It's the WWE champion. Okay, well, who's the second, uh, you know, universal champion, right? Uh, well, I think you're overthinking it. I think they're on the same level being that they're the top titles for each show. And, mm. and I think the U.S. is equal to the Intercontinental because it's that secondary title for each show. I wish they need it, that show, man. They need I, – I wish – if they had their own U.K. show, then I'd be fine with it. But now that it's like – I know what you want to do. Since you're on. such a 
big British Bulldogs fan and you think that they should be in the Hall of Fucking Fame ahead of the Dudley Boys, let's just just make the Dynamite Kid the fucking GM of the new UK show, Credo. How about that for an idea? Hey, what's next? The Japanese title? Huh? I I I think you need to go to Twitter with this one. (laughs) We'll have to send it to the fans, guys. Well, you know what? How about this? We'll, we'll open up the phone lines, uh, and you guys call in, 802-297-7672. What do you think about this UK championship? Is Does it make sense to you? Does it make? Are you on my wavelength? Are you on Cooter's wavelength? Are you in between? I don't know. Let us know what you feel. How do you feel about the UK championship? Tweet us, too, at a wrestling POD. Uh, you know, tweet your... Do you, do you get it? Do you like it? Does it need a new name? Do you do it? Maybe even what Mike says, even just change the name and make it the, the network title, the TV championship, which I think would probably be a lot better and we wouldn't be having this conversation. But guys, the UK title should only be defended in the UK by UK people. That's all I'm saying. Hashtag don't tug your peckers. <laughs> Bitches. Bitches.